Hey, Jeff, you know, normally we do some sort of silly introduction to our episode, but today we have an incredibly special guest, so I think we should just jump right into it. I think so, too. We are very pleased to welcome Mr. Pete Souza, who is the chief official White House photographer for President Obama, uh, also a member of the photographic staff for President Reagan. And he's just written a new book called The West Wing and Beyond, uh, which has all sorts of stories and photos about the White House and the experience of being at the White House and not necessarily the experience of being Obama's photographer, but shooting that bubble, that rarefied environment that I think most people just catch glimpses of. So thank you so much for joining us, Pete. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, Pete, one of the things that hit me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start by just telling you this up front. As I got through the book yesterday, I got about halfway into this book, which is fabulous. And I got really emotional. And I don't know if it seems like you're kind of an emotional guy, too, but I got really emotional. I was telling Jeff that uh, it sort of struck me that there was this perfect confluence of a president who was willing to be documented constantly and who was also a dynamic personality, a time where we had social media on the rise and you could disseminate photographs rapidly and you a master storyteller who was had the stamina to keep up with all of this. And I, I, the reason I had such a strong emotional response was I, I don't know if that will ever happen again. It just seemed like such a perfect storm of, of stories. I was surprised at how much of an emotional response that book <laughs> evoked in me. Well, I will say that it's, it, uh, it's, it's happened before. Uh, and I think it will happen again. As we back on your, your eight years in the White House, and there's some pretty amazing statistics here. You, you mentioned in the book uh, you were working 10 to 18 hours a day, and you flew a million and a half miles around, around the world 58 times, right, worth of miles on Air Force One. Um, and you probably spent more time in the Oval Office than most presidents. So I think that one of the greatest things about the Obama administration was your photographs gave us this insight into the day-to-day workings of the presidency. For me, as someone who, who voted for Obama, who, you know, I, I don't think it's a, would surprise anyone that I absolutely adored the man. I've really felt a really deep personal connection with the Obamas. And part of that is their personality. And part of that is the fact that I just had such good visual access to them. And I don't feel that way about President Biden. I like President Biden, but I don't feel that connection. And I definitely don't feel, didn't feel that connection with President Trump. So how much do you think people's opinion of the president nowadays has to do with the amount of visual storytelling that's coming out of the White House? Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting question. I think it's a, a difficult one for, for me to answer in that... Um, uh, I was probably not aware uh, uh, of how much people were accessing my images during the Obama administration um, in, in real time. I mean, I was just doing my job and uh, it's, it's such a slog day to day that I didn't really have a, th- that keen a sense of, you know, how much people were following my, my photographs you know, and now I'm sort of an outsider, both for the Trump administration and the Biden administration. 
And my, you know, the way I look at it just as, as an outsider is that um, at least with President Biden, it, there's the appearance that the White House photographer, Adam Schultz, does have good access. I mean, you've seen it in some of the photographs that appear on Instagram or, you know, whitehouse.gov or whatever. Whereas with Trump, it was all, it was all a reality show. You never really saw any, any kind of like, like behind the scenes images. And, you know, the, the photographer Shayla Craighead even said that, uh, you know, she was subpoenaed before the January 6th committee and that um, the, the, she was asked during her testimony um, if, if she had any photographs of Trump while he was watching TV on the afternoon of the insurrection, you know, because we, yeah. we all know mm-hmm. he was in that little dining room. And she said that she asked to be able to go in there to, to make photographs and was told no. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that mm-hmm. gives me an indication that we didn't really have the kind of documentation that I did with President Obama during the Trump administration. Time will tell, uh, you know, whether the current photographer, Adam Schultz, has that same level of access. I suspect mm-hmm. he does, but, I, you know, it's, it, it, from an outside point of view, it's difficult to tell. Can you tell us more about the balance of that? Like, is that really driven by the president? I mean, my, my impression is uh, during the Trump administration, it was very much driven by the president. It was, you know, take, take the pose shots that make him, you know, that, that improve his stature, make him look good, et cetera. Whereas um, Obama, um, you know, like I imagine you had a conversation about you know, like how much access can I have and just can I be free about where I am? I, I love the, the section in the book where sometimes when you're traveling the best like the best access you got was when you know security would would try to stop you and Obama would say he's with me and that was you know like that would just sort of get you into rooms that you might otherwise have some friction so is that really driven by the president or is that something that like the communication office is going to talk about or you know photo office or is it the photographer <laughs> there were a lot of questions in there um, Sorry. <laughs> you know, I think I think ultimately it, it is driven by the president and the relationship that he or Sunday she has with their uh, uh, chief uh, photographer. I mean, I, I I had a conversation early on with with President Elect Obama about access, and um, basically it was you know I need to have unfettered access, and uh, he he got it. I mean, he, he, he agreed to that, but, you know, but, but it still comes down to uh, the, the, the president can, can make decisions on whether he wants a photographer to have access or not. That was never an issue with me. And I, th- I think part, part of that was I had already developed a, rela- a professional relationship with Barack Obama. I'd known him for four years before he became president kind of knew how the presidency worked uh, with my experience during Reagan. And uh, so I think all that was very helpful in me, you know, uh, uh, always being in the room. The The example that you mentioned about um, me not always being able to get in the room, that was in, in foreign countries where 
Um, right. Oftentimes, you know, my access is uh, what what would be dependent upon the uh, the host government, and um, uh, and and that's when I played little tricks, you know, where you know, just as he's about to walk in the room at a summit meeting, I just walk right alongside of him, and and mm-hmm. I used him to help me get in the room. Um, I didn't have to do that at the White House, you know. I I, I just had access to uh, pretty much everything. But you know, I mean, there's been um, books written about um, about this, uh, you know, where, like, for instance, uh, uh, Richard Nixon didn't give Ollie Atkins, his chief photographer, very good access. Where Yoshi Okamoto, who I consider the greatest official white house photographer ever had carte blanche with lbj Mm. no no matter what so but again it does it does depend on on the uh on the president there's no like law or there are no rules that say (laughs) you know you have to give the photographer access to everything so i I don't know if that answers the questions you had or yeah yeah. i think that in in your new book here you really you really drill down on this notion that your job was to capture um, the presidency. And you mentioned in the book that when you were in Reagan's uh, communications team, you felt like you were really focused on the president. And then when you came into the Obama White House, you really wanted to focus on the presidency. And th- this book is amazingly, uh, it took me quite a few pages before I realized you were very masterful in editing this book. There are just fleeting glimpses of the president in this book. If you're if you're coming for a book of photos of Obama, you've already done that one. Uh, this one is a book about everyone around him and the inner workings of the White House and the realities of the People's House. and And you use those words in in the book, which I think is is wonderful. It's one of the reasons why I think it has had so much emotional impact for me because it, it really did feel like during the Obama administration that that, that was our president and, and that was our house. And I think that this desire of yours to capture the whole presidency and all of these little details, both Jeff and I, when we were discussing the book, were just kind of amazed at your stamina and your ability to capture photos day after day after day after day um, in, you know, for eight years. So can you talk about how you kept yourself going? I mean, obviously it's history, right? It's all historic. Every day is historic. So I can see that there's motivation there, but it's got to be just an incredible grind. Um, It is a grind. And not every day is is an exciting day. I mean, there's a lot of days where I felt I was uh, watching paint dry on the wall, you know, those kind of days. Um, a couple of things about what you said. I mean, I still think that during the Obama presidency, my main focus was still on the president. But I didn't want to, like, not photograph, you know, what was happening happening on the edges with the staff and just kind of quirky things that I would see on the road that are all within that, you know, presidential bubble that occur when inside the presidential bubble, which was the, actually the title that I wanted to use inside the presidential bubble. But, mm. I, I, you know, publishers have a lot of say in covers and titles, you know, mm, yeah. uh, and I sort of <laughs> lost that battle. But that was the, the essence of this book is it's what what happens inside the bubble, whether it's at the White House at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or when that bubble moves around town or even overseas. And I just trying to show all the aspects of the presidency that I saw from, you know, inside 
that bubble. I did want to say one uh, one thing, just so that your 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 listeners uh, understand, is in both the Reagan presidency and the Obama presidency, I was not part of the communications team, and I think that's done in a purposeful way, and I think mm. it is mm. important. Uh, that that your listeners understand that. Um, so the photographic office is a separate entity. It's not part of the press office or the communications office. Yes, there is obviously a lot of interaction between the two in terms of when it's time to make a photograph public. But in terms of the 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 office itself. Um, we do not report to the press secretary or the communications director. We, we report to an assistant to the president for management and administration, which is really oh. the way it should be. Now, I can't say yeah. that that mm-hmm. in practice is always true. Um, still perplexed by some of the things that happened during the Trump administration in, in regards to the photo office. But, you know, that, that's the way it's supposed to to work um, because yeah. the primary function of this position, meaning the chief official white house photographer and the photography office is to document the presidency and the president for history. And mm. all of the photographs end up uh, at the national archives at the end, at the end of the administration. And so I just wanted to make that distinction as well. Sure. Oh, no, that, yeah, that, I wasn't that's, aware of that. That's cool. Yeah. That, that's a great distinction. It also really talks about uh, or speaks to the intent of what you're doing because you know uh, uh, so many photographers like the job is to either capture this event and you're doing it for the event organizers and so you're looking for things that are favorable for that or all sorts of situations where you're you're trying to please a client and in this case – your client is not necessarily the president or the PR teams or anything. Your client is – well, this is going to sound cheesy. Your client is history. But <laughs> um, – Well, I mean it's so, true. I think the the, the, the – I didn't look at it as like a – you know, a, a, I'm, don't take offense at this. I mean I don't I – I don't, in this case, I didn't like – I don't like the word client, you know, because I didn't think of myself mm-hmm. that – I didn't feel that I had a client. Sure. I mean I felt that – right. To be corny, you know, the, the, this is I was doing this for for the people, for we the people, right? This is where right. this body of work ends up, and you know, along the way, the photographs get used in different ways, and that has changed over the years with the advent of social media and the internet and all that kind of stuff. But you know, primary, and I, this is one thing I told Adam Schultz before before he started the job, Adam being the Biden's photographer is don't lose sight of that fact that your main function is documenting this president and the presidency for history, because there's going to be a lot of like, you know, uh, uh, use of your photographs for the white house, Instagram and all this kind of stuff. And that's all fine. If that that's up to the administration to do, but don't, don't lose sight of what your main function is. So, you know, that also makes me wanted to touch a little bit on just the day to day of this. Uh, you mentioned that you know sometimes you, you spend a lot of time just sitting in a chair in the outer oval, uh, and it also you know lots of times playing spades on on Air Force One just <laughs> during these long long stretches where yeah. you know 
quote unquote, nothing is happening. So how much of that – when you did need to shoot something, what – how much of that was just your eye looking for you know, photographic moments or events and how much of that was, OK, the president has this meeting with these people at 3 o'clock. I need to be there. But uh, you know, by 3.30, I'm just going to you know, sort of wander around and, and look for other things. Well, one of the things that I had in the back of my mind is, uh, is uh, FOMA, <laughs> fear of uh-huh. missing anything. And as a result, if the, I, I basically just hung around is, uh, is the best way to put it. And, um, you know, President Obama kept quite busy with meetings and uh, events and things like that. And I was pretty much on the go constantly. Uh, but there were periods of time where, you know, he might be in the Oval Office by himself uh, and the door the back door uh, would be uh, open and um, and I could pop in there if I wanted to. Like if I saw, you know, light streaming in through the window in a certain way, I would pop in and, and make, make a few pictures. And um, you know, there's I, early on um, there was a time where I was just hanging outside the oval and he's in there, by himself and uh, his daughter Sasha came by and it was like, I'm not sure if there was a, if it was a snow day or if if it was school vacation or exactly, maybe it was summer vacation. I can't remember. And, you know, Sasha walks by and then gets down on her hands and knees and crawls into the oval office to hide behind the sofa. And then she like, at one point jumped up to, to try to scare him, you know, and if I hadn't been around hanging around the Oval Office, I never would have gotten that series of pictures. That, that series mm-hmm. is actually in my first book, the uh, the mm-hmm. Obama Intimate Portrait. But uh, but I think yeah. it, it 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 demonstrates an example of why I always hung around because you just never know what's going to happen. I worked as a photojournalist years ago, small daily newspapers, and. To me, one of the most satisfying parts of the job was when I was able to embed myself long enough in a situation that people forgot I was yeah. there. And I found that if there was no reporter around with me, if there's no reporter working with me, I could become invisible pretty quickly. And people assumed that because I was you know, just a photographer that I wasn't paying attention <laughs> to what was being said or what was being done in the room. And you know, I get this... It, impression, especially from this book, more than your other two books, that you were always in the room so much that it's not like people ever probably were unaware that you were there, but they were certainly comfortable. There's a certain level of comfort that people and trust that people had with you. And that's earned through you being there every day and showing your kind of your dedication to your craft. And I have to ask, in those moments was were there ever times where you said, "I don't know if I should be here"? Um, I mean, I think only in instances where um, he might be interacting with, you know, one of his daughters. Where, mm-hmm. you know, that that matter of fact, I, I mean, I'll say in advance that he he feels lucky that I was there to document his kids growing up in many ways. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm, and because yeah. most parents, 
don't have those kind of pictures. You know, they just have a bunch of shitty iPhone pictures. Um, (laughs) But, but, but at the same time, you know, if he's having, there's, there's one picture in my first book where he's sitting on the swings. There's a swing set outside the Oval Office and he was sitting on the swing set with his daughter, Malia, one afternoon after school. And they were having, you know, just a father daughter conversation. Now, obviously, you know, it's a great scene. And I, this is the president of the United States talking to his daughter, but it's also a father talking to his daughter. And so I would make some pictures, but then I would like, okay, I don't need to be, you know, that guy that's just going to hang there the entire time. You know, he wants to have a little private conversation with his daughter. I shouldn't be, you know, eavesdropping on what they're talking about. So I would make my pictures and make sure I got a good picture and then just kind of slowly back away because I thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah. Developing yeah, totally. that sense is. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it takes time, it, right? You know, I, I think it was helpful for me to have been a seasoned guy, a seasoned photojournalist, a seasoned photographer coming into this. And a lot of this is just intuition, you know, uh, in, in terms of those, you know, personal moments of not, mm-hmm. you know, making your pictures, but not intruding on what should be a private father, daughter, you know, conversation, none of my business. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. Going to the, the broader West wing, I get the sense that, that, you know, it's, again, sort of like top down, Obama was comfortable having you everywhere and from the photos and from some of your stories, it also seems as if the rest of the the staff also was was fine. Like and did you ever get any pushback from other people maybe like in situation room or uh, you know, maybe staffers or visiting people who are like, you know, what's what's this guy doing here or did it just sort of pervade that, well, there's Pete. He's making photos and – He's just going to do his thing, and we've got, you know, of course, vastly important other things to to do here. Yeah, I mean, so early on, very early on, I, I, you know, I had a top secret clearance, and mm-hmm. very early on, I was in a situation room meeting, meeting in the situation room, and some person, I won't say, <laughs> who <laughs> sure. said, "You, you, you can't be in this meeting because this is a top secret." SCI meeting, which we've been hearing about the last week. I mean, the, I, know. I know this is not going to air for a couple of weeks, but in terms of the the investigation of uh, uh, classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, there was a lot of talk mm-hmm. about SCI, which means special compartmented information. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know the difference at the time, to be honest with you, but so I walked out of that meeting and I went to the chief of staff of the National Security Council and I just said, I need a top secret SCI meeting so I can be in any meeting in this presidency. And mm-hmm. the, I, I, I had it within two days, you know, uh, wow. through the CIA and all that kind of stuff. So after that, it was never an issue <laughs> in terms of mm-hmm. being in a meeting. Now, that said, I mean, you know, this didn't really happen to me, but that said, even um, with that clearance, you know, a president of the United States still has the uh, can make a decision on who 
can or cannot be in the room. You know, that's mm-hmm. ultimately that's up up to the the, the president. Um, and and that evidently played out, and and uh, that's the way it played out in the last administration. At least that's what I think. I'm not sure. Yeah, there's no way to know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that leads me to a. a Fun question, and it involves a lot of conjecture, so feel free not to answer it if you don't want to. But <laughs> knowing what we know about the past president and his proclivity to do things his you know his way, had you been had you been embedded so well into the White House that when Trump came in, he didn't notice that you were there, what would you think it would have been like to be the photographer for Donald Trump when he was president? <laughs> I, I, I can't even imagine. Um, I, I, Wait, you said this was a fun question. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that um, I wouldn't have wanted to do it because I would have known that eventually I would get subpoenaed to testify about what happened in the room, you know? Yeah. You know, which is exactly what happened to, uh, you know, my <laughs> successor. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I, I, I think it, I think it I think I would have lasted 24 hours and said, fuck you. I'm out of here. I'm not you know, you can't tell me that, that I can't photograph this meeting or that meeting. Yeah, there, there's certain photographers. I'm thinking of Doug Mills, especially, which I'm sure, you know, Doug uh, Mills pretty well. He, he seemed to have a knack for capturing Trump in situations where. Trump seemed flattered that he was capturing him, but the photographs themselves were very unflattering. Well, they were all, and, I mean, the, what the, the white house press corps, uh, were quite happy with the access to Trump because it was a reality show president. See, mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't really have meetings. It was like, if he had a cabinet meeting, He'd bring the the press pool in for the entire meeting, and mm-hmm. obviously you can't discuss serious stuff when the press pool is recording everything. So it became like a, each cabinet secretary would say what a great job Trump was doing and blah blah blah, and it was all like it was all BS. It was all a reality yeah. show, and in those instances. Mills and and the wire service photographers would get all kinds of different pictures, you know, on what was happening. The pictures that we've seen in 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 the books and on Flickr, these were all, you know, still highly curated uh, out of so many pictures. Did you find yourself uh, changing the way you shot from the beginning? to the end, like either maybe shooting more photos at the beginning and being more selective at the end, or was it fairly, fairly consistent throughout in terms of volume and, um, you know, types of things that, that, that you were shooting? Uh, you know, in terms of volume, I don't know. My guess is it's, it, 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 it didn't change that much. Um, but you know, I honestly didn't, haven't really thought about that too much. Um, I mean, I think the, my tendency was that I didn't think I, I overshot, you know, and yet I, there's almost 2 million photos (laughs) in in the eight (laughs) years, but if, you know, you divide that out, um, per day, it's not a lot. I mean, there were, Mm -hmm. 
you know, there were, I mean, I'll probably the last day of his presidency, January 20th, 2017, I'll bet that I'm sure I shot two or 3000 pictures that day, just because it was, you know, one of those yeah. days where there was a lot of stuff going on, right. at, at least in, in the morning. And, you know, certainly in the days leading up to the, the end of his presidency, I, 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 I don't think I, I don't think my volume was down at all. That's a question that's hard to answer because I, I don't have have the 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 facts, you know, like was yeah. my batting yeah. average higher in the later <laughs> innings as opposed to the beginning, you know, the first and sure, second innings. Sure. I don't know. Were you did you find yourself being more choosy about about the things that you were that you were shooting? Yes and no. I mean, maybe so, but at the same time, you know, trying to also remember that Things like, for instance, in, in, in some instances where, you know, there's a group in the Oval Office or in the cabinet room or and, and you, you know, this is their, you know, this is probably the only time these people are going to be in the Oval Office. And so you don't want to just like make one or two pictures. You really want to, you know, document these people that don't usually, you know, meet with the president. Um mm-hmm. And so, I mean, were there senior advisor meetings where, you know, maybe in the last year I shot few fr- fewer frames than I did, you know, in the in the that same meeting, you know, two years before? I mean, probably, uh, mm-hmm. but but not not to this not to the detriment of, you know, documenting the that for for history. Still, always remembering that. You know, every meeting I looked at it. Every meeting was important, and in, in, in terms of history, right. uh, e- even if it was a quote unquote routine meeting. That's another thing that that I've just found striking about your work is, I imagine you know, for a, a much of those eight years, you're shooting a lot of the same people in the same four or five rooms, and how how do you do that without your brain just turning to mush? Because you were very good at you know finding like offhand moments where there are some examples here where like you know someone is is uh, you know touching somebody else's arm or I'd have to find it again but there was a like I think it was like a security council meeting and there's a woman who was just sort of gripping her arm yeah. because it was yeah. you know something yeah I mean momentous. I think that um, you know I think that the maybe. I maybe I did better the second term. I don't know. Again, I don't have any statistics sure. to back this up, but may, maybe I was more on the lookout for those sort of off the radar kind of moments, you know, where there was a picture of mm-hmm. uh, the uh, UN ambassador kind of gripping her arm during a tense yeah. uh, meeting. And, you know, there's, I've got a picture of uh, a styrofoam coffee cup that belonged to Susan Rice. And it's a kind of a close up from the side where you see her red lipstick, you know, on the, mm-hmm. the coffee cup. Or I've got another picture where it's uh, a bunch of guys with black shoes in the Oval Office. And, you know, that my focus is on the shoes and the presidential seal on the rug as, the, as sort of the backdrop where you don't really – see anybody's faces or anything like that. That was, that picture was early on, 
you know, whereas mm-hmm. the Samantha picture was probably, it had to be in the second term because she was a UN ambassador during the second term. So hopefully I was consistent in trying to look for those little, I wouldn't call them odd, but just uh, sort of off the radar, uh, you know, kind of scenes that struck my, yeah. struck my eye. Well, they, they do a really good job of telling a story of the place, which, you know, this is what this book does. It's, it's giving you a sense, not just, hey, here are these people around a table and they're talking about important things. Uh, but like, like I, I'm looking at a picture here of um, a note being handed to, I think, uh, Mr. McDonough. I'd have to yeah. find the caption. Yeah. And it's not, it's not saying, you know, oh, wow, important things are, are happening here, but it, it shows these are people doing the work and showing up and, and doing the things that make the White House work. Well, and I think, I think that, that, you know, I was always on, I, I probably have dozens of pictures of people passing notes and meetings. And oftentimes <laughs> it was sort of like, you know, I didn't always know the content of the meeting of, of the notes, but there was one mm-hmm. time. When that sort of came into play as a, as a, you know, historical moment. And it was uh, in that same room where you see Dennis McDonough receiving a note from one of his, uh, one of Dennis's aides. And it was a similar type meeting where I, somebody in the middle of the meeting came in door open and handed Dennis a note or whispered in his ear. I can't remember what. Mm-hmm. And I was watching all this, and then I see him uh, lean forward and hand a note to the president. And the president picks up the note and starts reading it. And I'm photographing this because I know I don't know what this is, but I should photograph this. And it turned out that Dennis was letting him know about the Boston Marathon bombing, that the, the, the uh. he had just gotten word that this had happened. And the president happened to be in this other meeting that had nothing to do with, you know, this is like a healthcare meeting or something like that. Yeah. So like, I was always on the lookout for those little things that were going off to the side, you know, people, there's another picture I have of, of Dennis and, and Joe Biden in the situation room. And, and De- I think Dennis is whispering in, in Biden's ear, you know, so I was always on the lookout for those, you know, little things. Cause I think it gives like a, a, a real flavor of like what happens at, at the most powerful level, you know, of our government. It's just, you know, human behavior, if you will. Do you feel like you developed like a, a, a sixth sense for, for when more important things were happening or was it just, I'm there, I'm shooting. And then you sort of realize what's going on. I mean, usually you would know. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the one example that i mentioned where he was reading a note about the Boston marathon, obviously yeah. I didn't know anything about that because you know, I'm, I'm in this meeting as well. And, you know, there's no TV on and there's no, nobody, right. You know, you don't have a Blackberry or iPhone with you. You it's, it's outside the room. So I wasn't like I was getting a bulletin on my phone or something. And so that was, that was one instance where I, you know, I, I sort of found out about it, you know, just as the president did or shortly thereafter, because I didn't really know the note that he was reading, but most of the time, you know, I, I sort of knew uh, when things were happening in the moment because they were telling him or, you know, John Brennan or Lisa Monaco would run upstairs. And anytime you'd, you'd see them unannounced, you knew, you knew 
something bad had just had just happened, oh, no. you know. One of the parts of the book that I really enjoy is you kind of single out several people that were in Obama's bubble, yeah. right? This inner circle of, of folks. And one of them that I just find really fascinating is Rudgy Love, Obama's body man. Yeah. And I, you know, this term body man, I had, I assumed that the first time it was mentioned in the book that that was a security guy, but it turns out it's the person who kind of just carries everything that needs to be used and, right. and is always anticipating stuff. A good part of this book is kind of a love letter to those folks, oh, those for sure. unseen folks in, yeah. the, in the White House. After the Obama administration and when people like John Favreau and those guys started Pod Save America, and we were able to kind of, after the fact, learn about these unseen heroes of the Obama administration. Now, I feel like I have this really kind of clear view of what it was like in there. And then to see these photos, it really helps put images to mental pictures that I had of the White House. And of course, all of us were sort of informed to uh, probably not accurately by the West Wing. Right. <laughs> we had this romantic notion yeah. of, of life in the West Wing. How tight are you still with these folks? I mean, do you, do you still get together with this, the bubble people? <laughs> hang out? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Reggie. I mean, uh, I was in, uh, we, we had a, a sort of a, a guys get together in Martha's Vineyard, uh, I guess, just two or three weeks ago. And, uh, and I stayed in an Airbnb with Reggie and, and, uh, and Joe Paulson, who was his last body man. And, you know, I just got off the phone with uh, Michelle, Michelle Obama's deputy chief of staff about the, the port, the port by the time this podcast airs, um, the Obama's portrait will have been unveiled at, at, at the White House. And, um, Mm. and, you know, Ah. she was, because I'm on the fence about going to that, which, you know, is crazy, but I, I had some other personal commitments <laughs> and she's, you know, imploring me, you've got to, the whole gang's going to be there, you know? So, oh, um, mm. so by the time this, you know, podcast airs, we'll have heard about all the Obama close knit people coming back together for the portrait unveiling at the, at the white house. Um, and, and there's some other folks from the, from what we call the outer oval office, you know, the body man has an office there, but also his personal secretary and the director of all office operations. I mean, we're, we're on a joint text together, group text that is like ongoing to this day, you know, where somebody will find a funny photo in their, uh, you know, iPhone camera roll and we'll send it to each other or, you know, uh, just funny stuff like that. And, you know, so we continue to, to even though we don't necessarily see each other that often, we're, we're, we we communicate on a regular basis. And, and I think that, you, you know, you mentioned, you know, Reggie Love as the body man, but I think I also wanted to give people a sense of some of the people that work at the White House that are there regardless of the, the, the president. So that these are the non-political appointees. Like, yeah. you know, I highlight – the Oval Office valets. I highlight the uh, the the White House butlers. I highlight the White House ground, groundskeepers, the White House communications agency technicians that are part of the apparatus as much as the political appointees of the White House. And it was important mm-hmm. for me to highlight them, the the, the military aides, what the president's military aides, so on and so forth. So I, I thought that was important to 
to, uh, you know, highlight some of those folks as well. Yeah. And you do really well. It, it, and I love how you organize the book. You know, you do hop from group to group and, and showing them at their very best. It's, it's just, like I said, it, it evokes an emotional response in me. Um, <laughs> so it very powerful book. I do want to jump ahead a little bit here and ask about two things. One is obviously you've always been a very talented and gifted visual storyteller, but in the past several years, you've also become really well known for being a a verbal storyteller. I mean, you do these amazing book tours. Jeff has had the opportunity to see you once, um, at least once. Both of us are excited to see you come back through our towns here soon this fall. uh, So we can see you speak again. How does it feel to have kind of moved from being this documentary photographer to being a storyteller, a a traveling storyteller? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it took a little getting used to, um, but I I sort of feel I have, you know, I have a purpose and that I'm speaking to like-minded people who, you know, believe in democracy and believe that, you know, ultimately there's, there's goodness in our country. And uh, I'm sort of the bridge in many ways between Barack Obama, uh, President Obama, the Obama presidency, and these people, you know, they may never get a chance to meet him personally, but they've gotten to know him through my uh, photographs. And I, and, and I'm aware that I'm, 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 you know, the person that links, uh, um, links people together. And, you know, and I think it's, it's part of that. I don't have to be doing this, but I feel, I, I wouldn't say obligated, but, but, I, but I think it, it's, it's in, you know, it's important for me to do it. And it, and, you know, and I think it's a reminder to, to for folks that, you know, if you don't like the way things are going in our country, then you can change that collectively. And hopefully I've had something to do with, uh, um, you know, getting people out to vote and making sure they understand the importance of, of doing that, not just, you know, in the next election, but in every election, including, you know, your local election. And, you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's, it's, I went to see uh, the traveling show of Hamilton the other night at, uh, mm-hmm. And it just so happens that the guy who plays George Washington occasionally did uh, advance for us at the White House. Uh, and uh, so I, I sort of met him. He's like, meet me at the stage door after, you know, after the play. So I met him and uh, um, one of the other actors was there with his mom and his mom turns out was a huge fan of mine. And it seemed the documentary and was just like so overcome and that's a little weird for me to, 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 you know, run into people that, that I don't know that just are excited to meet me, which is like, yeah, uh, kind of a odd sensation in, in, in many ways. Well, that leads me to ask this next question then had, and I hate to even say this cause it makes me kind of sad to even say, had Hillary won and things continued sort of that, that arc that was going with the Obama presidency, if things had continued on that trajectory and people hadn't experienced the traumatic times that we've experienced, do you think that 
your work, you know, your three books would would have resonated with people. I, I feel I guess, I guess I just feel like we need your books. Yeah, I mean, I think we, I, need, well, we need this. Reminder. Well, I mean, if Hillary had been elected, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done my second book, the Shade book, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> the, you know, I, I I've I've said to my publisher, I said, you know, the irony of this whole thing is that if Hillary had been elected. You know, I still would have published Obama an Intimate Portrait, but I don't think it would have sold as many copies, mm. you know, because I think Hillary would have upheld democracy and, you know, continued in the same vein as President Obama and people wouldn't have been feeling down. But I think that first book of mine really gave people some hope, you know, mm-hmm. that we could return to something like this. And, and I, as I said, I wouldn't have done that, that second book. Um, I, 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 this book that's coming out in September, I, this was always in the back of my mind as my second book. And then, mm. you know, the shade book kind of, uh, I felt that was something I had to do, you know, uh, right yeah. away, but definitely things would have been uh, a lot different, you know, if, if Hillary had gotten elected and it probably would have changed my life too. In, in and um, in a, in a different way, not good or, bad and just it, it would you know my i think my wife my life would be a lot different yeah mm-hmm. you'd probably be talking to hillary's photographer right now about her book <laughs> you know the truth is is that white house photographers in in normal situations white house photographers document history then quietly go on and do other things they do they um, but, but they do yeah. uh every every photographer since kennedy has done a photography book after they, you know, sure. left office with the exception of mm-hmm. Okamoto, which is kind of strange because yeah. still, <laughs> you know, uh, I think everybody considers him the, uh, the, 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 the best uh, white house photographer. And, you know, I don't know the circumstances, but uh, he, he, he's the only one who didn't do a book. Well, and now Trump's photographer has not done a book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not without crazy, trying. Yeah. For crazy reasons. Now that all said, I, I don't know how many people have George W's photo book in their libraries. <laughs> no, but, and, but, you know, it, you know it, 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 I mean, it didn't, obviously that book didn't sell as, as well as mine. And, and I think that, uh, but I think it was still important for Eric Draper to uh, mm-hmm. have done that book. Um, sure. I think it is a valuable book for history, and 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 Eric actually has a great set of pictures from September 11th. You know, because he was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. traveling with Bush that day, and you know, did you know? Obviously, Bush didn't end office very politically popular, uh, and I'm sure that people didn't want to. Well, I'll just leave it at that. Other than saying, you know, I still think it's valuable for the white house photographer to, to do their book, you know, and, and show as their selection of images. And I, I think for historical purposes, it's a shame that Shayla Craighead didn't get a chance to do that. Unfortunately, I, I, you know, her situation with Trump refusing to uh, kind of allow that, right. Because he didn't have control over that it, you know, or wanted to turn it into a fundraiser for him is ludicrous. You know, it illuminates the fact that he didn't see the presidency as service to the country. No. He saw the presidency as promotion for yeah. his, his brand. Yeah. 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 So, Pete, how many more Obama books do you have in you? Oh, I think this is it. I, I, I think that uh, 
I think my next book will be my last, maybe my last photo book will be, uh, I'm trying to get together my, my archive from, you know, my career, which Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. includes a lot more than the two presidents I photographed, but that's an, it's an undaunting task in that it's not very well organized. And, um, you know, I've got old black and white negatives and, never made proof sheets for them and very little caption information. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be a difficult book for me to do, but that that's, that's a book that's, you know, down the road, maybe five years for me uh, is mm-hmm. trying to do, you know, basically my archive book, but do it in mm-hmm. a way where it's as good as the Obama book. Hopefully <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll great. see. Yeah. Well, I'm sure uh, Brandy Carlisle will feature heavily, so that'll be reason enough to get. Well, it. it'll definitely be a <laughs> yeah. picture of Brandy in the book. You know, maybe maybe uh, multiple pictures. Uh, I would hope multiple pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've got a lot of. We're both big fans. Uh, great pictures of her um, at home that have never been seen, and uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I sort of gravitate towards uh, you know th- those kinds of. Uh, of pictures more than, you know, the ones of her on stage in, in some respect. Sure. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, I, I mean, that, that is, is really part of the key to this book too. Um, I think as, as we wrap up here, that this is all of those other moments. It's not the star things. It's, you know, just looking down the hallway on air force one during you know one of many thousands of flights, and this is what it's like in real life. And I just love the fact that uh, again, like you show people doing the work and participating, and and making this happen. And it's it's beyond just the like, oh, here's this important meeting, and we have all these people on there arranged, you know, in their seats, etc. No, and I'm glad you mentioned that uh, photograph in particular because it, it's it's like not the most exciting photograph in the world. This is the one looking down the hallway of Air Force One, but I know it's a it's a scene that 99.9 percent of the country is never going to see in person, and I wanted to give right. them a sense of you know what's it like when you when you're when you board Air Force One and you look down this hallway and it's, it's not like a normal plane. I mean, it is a normal right. plane in, in some respects. I mean, it's a modified 747, but at the same time, it's not configured like any other plane inside. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to give people a sense of that hallway, which is so, you know, different than any other plane in the world. And uh, so I'm glad you mentioned that particular photograph. Mm-hmm. I love it. Just you know the, the 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 composition of it, but also you know as you said, you wanted the the book to be like the presidential bubble, and how these are not things that most of us are ever going to see in person, and yet I feel like I've if not been there, but I have a sense of of what it's like, and as someone who who just loves behind the scenes stuff like this, you know, kind of sees how the sausage is made. Uh, that it just it it connects me to my government. It connects me to all the people that that do this job, regardless of the situation, regardless of who's in power. 
um, you know, all those great pictures of the the uh, the kitchen staff and putting together the desserts and all of that. It just gives you a broader picture and a bigger – tells the story in a better way. Well, and I think and I that, think you that, know, as somebody who has uh, seen the TV show The West Wing, um, mm-hmm. you know, I cringe at, you know, some of the way <laughs> the – the, the scenes are shown because it's sort of like, well, A, they make the West Wing look bigger than it really is, more majestic than it really is. And everyone seems to have a window. Everybody seems to office. have a window. There's <laughs> there's constant motion back and forth in the hallways. And, uh, you know, the West Wing is a is a is a is a small place uh, other than maybe five offices. Nobody else. You know, most of the. Offices don't have windows and have low ceilings and you can hear the the mice running in the ceiling above you. And, <laughs> you know, there's no Wi-Fi, although I guess there is now, but there wasn't when we, when we were there. And so I was trying to like give people a real sense of what the West Wing was like in that section of the book to, to, <laughs> to sort of offset what they think it's like from watching, uh, you know, the, the, the TV show, the West Wing. And it's sort of like, I mean, when uh, this woman, Cassidy Hutchinson, was testifying before the January 6th committee, and she's talking about, you know, her office and the hallway and the valets and all this kind of stuff. I was like, those pictures are all in my book, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of what she's what what she was trying to describe. And, I, you know, I, I obviously have a, a attuned sense of when I'm listening to somebody describe you know, that hallway, knowing exactly what she's talking about. So I have to ask you, I'm I'm looking at the image of you and you've got this print of Obama talking to the children in the window um, behind you. It's one of my favorites from, from your work. And there's a lot of photos that you've taken of Obama that flash through my mind when I think about his presidency. And I think it's a testament to you and your, your craft that, when I think back about Obama, there's I, I saw him once in person. You know, he's really small, way far across a huge crowd at a campaign event. But the the images that come through my mind when I think about the Obama presidency are all your images. And you know, I, I do have a very strong affinity and almost romantic recollection of that time. And I know it wasn't a perfect time. I know it wasn't, you know, my ties and roses <laughs> every day. <laughs> But in hindsight, it seems like that was really the best of times for us. And I want to end this conversation with you on on this on an Obama-like message of hope, I guess, in that as someone who's been in the White House, like you said, for more than most presidents, where should we hang our hope for the future when it comes to the presidency? Well, I mean um – I'm hopeful that uh, he, he, you know, he wasn't reelected, meaning Trump, in uh, in 2020, and that enough people voted for democracy uh, ultimately than 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 anything. And but uh, but uh, but at the same time, it's like I, I am concerned about uh, the future for not just the presidency, but for, you know, for the country, because there's, there's a lot of people still in denial about the truth. And that, Mm -hmm. that is, um, 
that is a, a hard thing to get past when you have leaders in the Republican Party that are knowingly lying and supporting somebody who j- just doesn't care about democracy or rule of law. And that's, that's very discouraging to me, the, the, you know, the way this is, this is going. And I mean, I think it, I don't know what's going to break that cycle of, of, you know, um, believing lies that people that, that continue to believe lies, but most young people that I, that I encounter uh, believe in democracy and believe in the truth. And um, so I guess that's, that's, you know, that's what, that's what gives me hope. The, now we just have to get all those people to vote yeah. in, in all seriousness. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure that if, if everybody was required to vote, everybody of eligible age was required to vote, we wouldn't be having these problems, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's just too many people are staying home for one reason or another or are being discriminated against to register to vote, you know, or mm-hmm. to be able to get to the polls on election day because it's too difficult. You know, I, I, I wish we had a requirement that everybody voted because I think that would change everything in terms of, you know, uh, our adherence to democracy and electing good people as as president. That's my personal opinion on stuff. Well, it's a highly informed personal opinion, right? From the guy who is in the room every day. I really want to thank you for talking with us, Pete. I... Like I said, this this whole this whole book put me in an emotional space that it's going to take me a few days to get over. Um, I really <laughs> thank you for your your dedication to the truth, and you know, as a person who loves photojournalism, um, you've always been one of those people I looked up to as uh, kind of the north star. Uh, how to do it right. And so thank you for your many, many years of service and for all the millions of images you've made that help connect us to a presidency uh, at its best. So well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I, I felt that I um, uh, gave it my all uh, during the, the, those eight years and uh, I knew what I was doing was important and knew that uh, you know, this, this was uh my my last chance to 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 do this right, and um, you know and I, that's that's why I, I gave it everything that I had, um, and uh, I, you know I, I feel um, lucky and fortunate to have been in a position to uh, to do that job, uh, especially with that president. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. And I'm just going to say for our uh, listeners and viewers, uh, this book is called The West Wing and Beyond, What I Saw Inside the Presidency. Uh, If you do not have a copy, go get a copy because it is fabulous. Yep. Uh, Comes out this week. Comes out this week. That's right. uh, Pete's going to be doing a book tour, which is not just a a place where you go and sign books, right? You're going to be telling these stories and and sharing these images. Uh, One of the things that I really appreciate about your 
your last two books, especially is the, the storytelling, the book tours that you've done. And, and a big part of your last book tour is in the amazing documentary that I watched last night, just to kind of get ready for this interview. I, now I'm blanking on the name of the documentary, but it's on Peacock. It's streaming on Peacock. Yeah, it's right called now. The Way I See That's It. Great. Uh, the Way I See It. So thank you. Yeah. And, and it's it's not my documentary. I'm just in it, as they say. It's <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the, the documentary about you. Yeah. Doc- yes. About yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Excellent. So, yeah, check out the uh, documentary. Check out uh, all three of Pete's books. And um, I'm I'm already ready for the next one, Pete. I'm ready for your book in five years. So when you're <laughs> done with it, please uh, please come in back and rejoin us, and we'll chat about we'll those, do. those two. We'll do. Thanks for having me on, guys. Excellent. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you again. Pete. Okay. Well, that was cool. And he's out. That. Ah. <sighs>